the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We have got a show for you today, let me tell you. In this half hour of the show, we will be interviewing Erica Pellman, who's an organization called Shifra. This is a people, an organization that helps women who have unplanned pregnancies to have their babies and to grow up and be wonderful people. That's a wonderful thing. In the second half of the hour, we will be featuring a, some insights into the portion of the week coming up, which is the portion of Ayera, which can be found in the book of Exodus, chapter 6 and following. We've got wonderful music scattered throughout the show. Normally, we would do the news, but believe it or not, there's, there's like no news this week. The only news that ha- that that came up, I mean, everything is that's happening in Israel is happening in uh, network news. So I don't need to report about it. You've heard about it already. What's going on in Israel? But the only thing you might not have heard about is that Seven Eleven opened up a franchise store in Tel Aviv this week, and the lines were down the block for people to get for Israelis to get their first Slurpees. That's, and that's the news. Anyway, so with no further ado, we want to welcome Erica Pellman from Shifra to, uh, to our show. Erica Pellman is founder and executive director of Shifra, a unique Jewish support network nurturing women through unplanned pregnancy, pregnancy crises. Crises, Shifra, named for the midwife who defied Paro's decree, death decree, serves Jewish women anywhere in the United States. And how are you today, Erica? I'm great. It's sunny by me. How's it by you? Oh, this is the mid. This is Detroit. We don't get that sun. <laughs> we will not see the sun until maybe April. So don't even go. <laughs> don't don't even go there. It's like we don't talk, we don't talk about the weather over here. So, but um, hopefully we'll make things a little bit sunnier for the people listening. 
So you have this organization where you help people have their baby. What's how did first of all? Let's, how did this all start? How did you get involved with with uh, Shifra? So when I I grew up um, in Texas in Austin, um, and I grew up my family's pretty typical pro-choice Jewish family. Um, didn't really think much about it. Uh, when I was in my twenties, I actually worked at the U.S. Department of Labor in the Bush administration. And I actually had a lot of Christian colleagues who really started talking to me about pro-life things, just different perspectives than I had ever heard growing up. Okay. And then when I was about 25, a very close friend of mine, also Jewish, also from Austin, called me to tell me she was having an abortion. She was not asking my opinion about it. She was just sharing, and her heart was broken when she told me it, and we were both crying on the phone together. It was the wrong boyfriend. It was the wrong time. She felt totally ashamed, and I felt totally unable to help her, unable to offer her anything else, even if she had wanted something else. Fast forward a couple of years, I was... Um, I'm going to leave the Department of Labor. I was married. I was trying to get pregnant. And I was having actually a fairly hard time. And I went into work one day and I knew I was going to leave the Bush administration. And I actually just said in my own language, you know, God, what do you want me to do next? There's so many issues that I can work on. It wasn't, this wasn't even in the corner of my eyes, the pregnancy stuff. It was like something that had happened and was painful. But then suddenly it just occurred to me, like, what if she had wanted to continue the pregnancy? What, where could she have turned to the Jewish community? What could the Jewish community have done for her? And I realized that while in Israel there are several organizations that help women through unplanned pregnancy crises, in the United States there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And this is strange because the the Jewish community is so philanthropic and does so many things. I mean, there's like a Jewish breast cancer organization. There's a Jewish, every, every type of, but there was nothing here for this. And so I started this journey to start this and to see like, what would this look like? What would a Jewish organization do? How could we help? And then I've just been asking the question, what would you need to continue your pregnancy to hundreds of women across the country ever since, you know, one by one, starting very, very slowly, very, very grassroots. Um, but and so that's what got me here. Uh, okay. So a couple months ago, we had on the show um, a, a woman who was, in a, was a bit of an authority on the subject. She wrote a paper. It was her doctoral thesis about what Judaism says about uh, the subject of abortion. And as we discussed, Jews are neither Jew, – halacha, Jewish law, turns out to be neither pro-choice nor pro-life, and she turned it, Judaism is pro-mother, and uh, could you could you comment on that first before I ask my, ask my next question? So, I mean, so our deal is that we're not here to tell anybody what to do, and that in, in the context of Jewish law, we've had women call us who have what's called a heter from their rabbi. They have, they're in a, a kind of crisis where their rabbi says, According to Jewish law, it is okay for you to have an abortion. And they might call us. We're not an abortion provider, so they're not calling us to get an abortion. Um, they, they might call us and say, but I still don't want one. And so 
that is where we would come in and offer them social services and support that they might need to get through the crisis. But we're not going to take a position that you can't have one, according to Jewish law, because the rabbi just said they could. Uh, Let me just just interject over here. Normally, the situation would be is to allow for an abortion would be if the mother's life is at stake. Is there something really critical? So you can't, if if this woman says, listen, the doctors say I'm going to die if I have an abortion, if I have a baby, and I have a permission from the rabbi. The rabbi says, listen, no, yes, I have to do it, and you, and, but I don't want to. So I don't think you could counsel anybody in that situation. Oh, no, but, we're not, but these weren't circumstances where health of the mother was at stake. Absolutely not, right? If her health is at stake, she's going to die if she doesn't have abortion. That, no one would call us about that, that. And if someone did, we would say we are not doctors. This is not our area. The, the case I was talking about, I have a couple. One was a woman who was getting out of an abusive relationship. And her, her rabbi, right? Not everybody, rabbi might disagree with this, but her rabbi said that it would be okay early on in the pregnancy to have an abortion in her particular circumstances. Okay. She called us, she, and decided, you know, when she heard the offer that how we could help her, she was in a very difficult situation emotionally. She decided to have her baby and she will never look back and regret on that. She loves her child. What she needed more, she didn't really need an abortion. What she actually needed was real support. Okay. Another woman had a situation. um, It was more health related, but it wasn't that that, um, her life threatening. She had a, a condition called I can't even pronounce it, Carla, hyperemesis, gravidarum, um, and she was severe, it requires bed rest during pregnancy, but it was, would not have killed her. But she's, again, her, her rabbi had given her, her orthodox rabbi had given her a heter, a permission to have an abortion, but she didn't want one. And so we asked her, what would you need to continue this pregnancy? Um, what kind of social support would you need? And really, she needed help after school. So we got her help after school you know, and we didn't put a limit on it, and she was able to deliver a healthy baby. And again, she never looks back and says, I wish I hadn't done that. She looks back and says, thank you for being there for me. Thank you for listening to me and, and helping me get what I needed. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so you mentioned the organizations that are in Israel. I happen to be very closely familiar with one. My sister-in-law, Blessed Memory, started such an organization in Sfat, and I couldn't find the name of it, but uh, she did. And what she used to do, I don't know how it started with her. I think it started with, uh, there was a relative of hers that was living in Sfat that wanted to have an abortion, and she talked her out and said, what would it take to, to, to same thing, what would it take? But what, what their organization does is if there is an abortion clinic in Sfat, and they stand there, and as the women approach the abortion clinic, they say, what would it, they, they, <laughs> they are, some would call it harassment. They actually say, what can we do that would make it such that you would have your baby? You're, you're not doing that? No, no, that's not our, that's, we, we advertise widely in the Jewish community, but we do not protest abortion clinics. Or, that's not, that's not our deal. Um, we're not, I mean, most of the, many Many of the women involved in our organization, people involved in our organization, consider themselves pro-choice, but they consider themselves really pro-choice. Like, we need to make sure that it feels like a choice to continue the pregnancy. And so um, we wouldn't we're not, we wouldn't go for protest in front of abortion clinic. That wouldn't be something that people would be comfortable with at all. But if somebody wants our help, if they want to talk, we provide a lot of help. The first person who picks up the phone is a licensed clinical social worker with like 25 years experience, a grandmother herself, who will be there with the woman through the baby's first birthday. And then we offer financial assistance customized to her needs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
Okay, understood. So let me ask you another question then. So is why why do you care? I mean, this is a person, they decided I'm going to do this, and uh, why why are you offering this service, uh, Erica Pellman? Really interesting. Um, if you were to just sort of imagine, let's say right now, well, I offer it because I feel it's a moral obligation to offer this. Let's say that, like, right now, there's probably ten to 15,000 Jewish abortions in the United States every year, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say, let's say that 10% of them, if they were offered help, they wouldn't have the abortion. It's my moral obligation as a Jew to offer that help to those 1,500 people. If it was 100 people, if it was 50 people, it would be worth the entire organization to make sure that they got the offer of help and that it was possible for them to continue the pregnancy. And so for me, it's like, it's my obligation. I'm just, you got to stand up and do something if somebody's suffering and if somebody needs help. I couldn't imagine living in another kind of way. And it just seems like this is, I mean, there's lots of different ways you can help, but this is the thing that sort of fell into my lap as this is my job. Okay. Understood. Okay. So if you're just joining us, our guest today is Erica Pellman. She's the founder and executive director of Shifra, an organization that help women through unplanned pregnancy crises. It's interesting that you call it unplanned pregnancy crisis rather than say like unwanted pregnancies. Why did you must have thought about this quite a lot as to the jargon that you used? Why do you call it unplanned pregnancy crises rather than just say unwanted pregnancies? I mean, we use both terms. So like, but the actually, so some, it's our, our three categories are unplanned, unwanted, and upheaval after intended. So I will help someone. They may not, they may not be considering abortion, but they're in crisis. Their birth control failed and they don't know how they can handle another question. I'm going to help them. You know, it doesn't, they don't need to be considering abortion to get our help. We, we should get to a point as a society where people don't need to consider abortion because they have what they need. Um, so I would help. That's why it could be unplanned and not necessarily unwanted. They may want the pregnancy, but they just don't have what they need. But some people actually, it's unwanted, and it could be unwanted because of external reasons, or it could be unwanted because internally the, the mom doesn't know how she could handle it. And so our formula is what I call NACE. NACE in Hebrew, I know you know, is um, means miracle, and for us it stands for nurture, empower, support. So nurture is we give things, lots of things, just give them to nurture the woman, uh, care packages and all sorts of aid customized to whether she's a first time mom or she has other kids. And then empower is the counseling, the classes to increase her capacity to, to thrive and flourish. I mean, our vision is that our, our moms who we work with, who we offer a lifetime of support are stronger at the end feel like it wasn't just worth it to have the baby. It's worth, it was worth it also because they became the mother that they, the, the human, not the mother, they became the woman that they were meant to be in the process of overcoming this challenge. And then support is we have a, a we create a support system around them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, so according to Jewish law, there are situations which will warrant, maybe even mandate that a woman have an abortion. Have you ever had to counsel a woman who calls you and said, I'm supposed to have an abortion, but I don't want to but you have to tell them, no, you really need to terminate this pregnancy. No. I mean, if somebody, if somebody was in a, a health situation in which it was like, 
she absolutely had to. We would say, I mean, we would tell them we can't, we can't help you if you're if you're going to die from having this baby. Like, we can't get in the way with you of your doctors and you and the rabbi. Um, so if that happened, like, I wouldn't push someone to do something that would kill them um, in any way. Um, but but to the other question, sometimes it's not life threatening. It's not mandatory. Someone, but someone does have a hazard and they do go through with the abortion, or they don't have a hazard. They just go through the abortion. We continue to provide them counseling and kindness and love after and sensitivity. Same as if they had a miscarriage. Oh, that's interesting because it's it is a traumatic expression, uh, a, a traumatic uh, occurrence. Uh, even if a woman has sat down and thought and says, "Really, I need to terminate this pregnancy," and goes through it, it's still a trauma for them. And it may not, like you say, they didn't have the or the rabbinic uh, dispensation for it. But your organization is there to help that person through that that post traumatic crisis. Then, I mean, so yes, the answer is absolutely yes. But for the most part, if someone anticipates it's going to be traumatic, we can look at the underlying needs that would cause and help her so she doesn't have to go into that trauma. Most of the people who have abortions who call us, it's not traumatic for them for whatever reason. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we will provide counseling after, but most of the time, if someone knows it's going to be traumatic, they know they're going to feel this loss. This is not a life-threatening situation where they're going to die if they don't have an abortion, right? Then we can look at those needs and meet them. And we're creative, very creative and very flexible and looking at what are the underlying needs? Is it your confidence? Is it your parenting? Is it you need your husband needs a better job? You need a better job. You're going to be a single mother. You need a place to live. Like whatever it is, you know, there is a solution for people who want to find a solution. And if they're going to be traumatized by an abortion, most of the time they'll look for a different solution when they when they have someone who can walk the journey with them. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing that. Again, our guest today is Erica Pellman. She's the founder and executive director of Shifra, which is an organization that helps women through unplanned pregnancies. So let's go back to the beginning then. So you started as one person with an idea. How do you start an organization that does this, Shifra? So I went, so part of the story um, was very shortly after I had this idea and it just came to me one day and I started typing out like, what would this be? What would be needed? I found out that I was pregnant for the first time. I mentioned I'd been struggling with that. And um, my husband and I decided to move. We also decided um, to go to a new synagogue. And when we got to our new synagogue, I just started sharing the, new, the idea. And I just found a couple of women who were interested. Um, some were pro-life, some were pro-choice, um, all pro-mom. And uh, we started just brainstorming and figuring out how to do it. And then the first woman called me. But the original idea was we'll do something in D.C. and we'll spread it. But then from word of mouth, because of the way the Jewish community works, the first woman who called me was in Florida. So I just started working with this woman in Florida. And then the second woman who called me was in um, Toronto. So we started working with this woman in Toronto. And we ended up developing a model where we could work with women anywhere and about initially we, and we tried things and failed things. So initially we tried to do it with volunteers and then it became clear we needed professionals like 20% of the women calling us are getting out of abusive relationships. It needs to be a professional who can provide continuity of care. So we hired a counselor in um, 2013 
and it's evolved. You know, it's evolved from there. Okay. Wow. It's, it sounds like a major organization then that you're in charge of. But you're located in the greater Washington, D.C. area, and you're offering services across the country. Don't people sort of like, if you're such a, to me, it seems like such a personal matter that if a woman is saying, I need to do this, don't, don't you have to have like a face-to-face? Doesn't it have to be 3D? Don't you need to go there? And that, yeah. that implies like a, <laughs> it's a, North America is a big place. Yeah, I, sometimes it's actually the anonymity of it is, is helpful to people calling someone they don't know far away, but yet is Jewish and understands where they're coming from as being part of the Jewish community and whatever pressures that that entails, depending on where they come from in the Jewish community. So people call, I mean, it took a long time. Year one, one person called. Year two, one person called. (laughs) Year three, six people called. Like it's taken a, you know, more than a decade to start building up um, a reputation and a trust and really letting people know we're, we, we operate with real integrity, real respect for everyone and all opinions and all everything. Uh, but like this week, we got an eight calls from five different states, you know. So. This week, you've gotten eight people. That's more than you had in the first five years. Right. <laughs> it, it was quite a week. We um, did a call from Buenos Aires. And not, every, and not everyone's considering abortion. Yeah, some people are just like, oh, you help people with that. Great. And we're like, yeah, here we are. You know, it's not something you could do. I mean, it, there's no way this kind of thing. I don't know. I can't say there's no way. The reason why we can have a national organization is because we're bound together by all being from the Jewish community. And so it, it feels like you're calling family. Mm-hmm. We sort of, I sort of compare us. We're like your favorite aunts, gotcha. you know, that we're going to take care of you like family because we feel like that about our clients or our, you know, our family. So here's the scenario. This is a two part question. Okay. This woman calls you up and you ask her, what would it take? What would it take for you to, to have your baby full term and to survive and live thrive? And as it comes up, as you're adding all the numbers up, it comes out to be thousands of dollars. And the second part of the question is, what if this person's just scamming you? What if they don't really need the support? They're just looking for, uh, you know, get rich quick. Okay. So, okay. So let's answer the second question. Everyone who calls, we do a, we do a background check on them. We do points check. It doesn't mean we, it's all hooked into the finances because someone could call us, be a two income working family. And the, the fourth kid is going to completely stress them you know, or whatever it is. So it's not that it has a minimum income level or something like that, but we do do a background check and reference check. And in like over a decade, we've messed up one time. And I know exactly where it got messed up and it will never happen again. So that's that. So, um, but in terms, let's take it, takes, it takes thousands. So there's a couple of scenarios where it could take thousands of dollars. One is, um, this, let me back up. People either come and they have a, they're in one, one of three financial situations. There are some people who come for whom they actually have a stable financial situation. They just don't have the um, emotional wherewithal to deal with it for whatever reason. Okay. Second people, they have a basically stable financial situation. They're working, but this is going to be a big stress on the family. Third is they do not have a stable financial situation. Maybe they're on the edge of homelessness, okay, or whatever it is. So I'm not afraid. You know, you have someone who is 
on the edge of homelessness, let's say, right? It's going to take sort of thousands of dollars. We need to get her into a, a permanent housing situation. I'm not going to pay for her year's worth of rent, but she, you know, she might need some real money until she can get stable. Well, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to try to do it in the most efficient way, but we're going to do that. Okay. Let's say it's a family. Like I said, um, you know, they needed a lot of babysitting help. Okay. I didn't put a price limit on it. This is a human life. I'm not going to put a price limit on it. If it's not in my budget, I'm committed to going out and raising the money because I don't think money should be a reason you have an abortion from my end. Somebody else can have an abortion because of money, but they're coming to me I'm, and you don't want one. And there's a financial thing. We will figure out a solution. And like I said, the solution comes when you commit to finding the solution. You know, I can't give someone a $50,000 like au pair. Okay. <laughs> you know, we have to find us. We have to figure out the, the most efficient way to find the solution. But if you commit to finding the solution, the money follows in my experience. That's interesting. It's really about the commitment. It kind of sounds like, you know, you give God the bill and he pays it is what it kind of sounds like. But um, I mean, what, what right. if the woman has been diagnosed through ultrasound that she's, her baby's going to have spina bifida and this kid is going to be in a wheelchair and a big drain and a real, a real, just like the whole, the whole, whatever comes with having to take care of a disabled child. And the doctors are recommending, listen, for your sanity and for you've got other kids and you have a whole family and this is going to become your life having this child. And they're recommending to have an abortion. She doesn't. What are you going to do for her? So that's an interesting question. We're not really set up for the prenatal diagnosis. Like I said, our main thing is unwanted, unplanned, whatever. Well, let's say so this woman, she she's like, I don't want to have an abortion. but I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Right. So this is a, like a long-term thing, and this would be a multiple sort of strategy. Now, number one, if she does, if someone actually doesn't want to have a child, like I am not up for raising a disabled child. There, are, I have a friend um, named Steve Krause. He runs an organization called Jewish Children's Adoption Network, and what he does is find adopt, adoptive families for children with, with special needs. So if someone is not up for raising a special needs child, there is someone who will. Now, ask the question. Why would someone do that? Why would someone adopt a special needs child when they're going to be such a drain on finances? And these are not necessarily rich people who do it. They do it because they still see the value in that life. And because they, there are ways to tap into resources. Um, there's, for disabled, there are government resources for AIDS and things like that. But anyways, um, well, let's say the person is going to keep the baby. Then we start talking about what are going to be the resources for you? You know, with a severely disabled child, there's going to be government resources. There's going to be social services resources. You're not, you know, there are resources out there and you wouldn't be doing this alone. And we'd start lining it up from the very beginning, you know, and we put our, we put our money where we could, um, but we'd also line it up, you know. So those would be, if somebody wanted to continue the pregnancy, she would have more than one option. No one should ever feel they only have one option. That's fantastic. Okay. So... Over the years, how have people found out about this organization called Shifra, and how are you going to keep on finding about it in the future? Then, Erica Bellman. Thank you so much, uh, Rabbi. Um, so, it, it's we're trying every possible way to um, find out. I'm so grateful to be on the show today um, as a way of sharing it with uh, community in the Detroit area. 
And if anybody would, you know, in the Jewish community is hearing this, would help like to help us put up posters, they can go to jewishpregnancyhelp.org slash S-H-I-F-R-A-F-R-I-E-N-D, Schiffer Friend. We can help, they can help us put up posters, but we, we try posters. We do advertising on the internet. And this week we did a lot of Instagram influencers for the first time, which has been phenomenal and really exciting. Um, but we'll do, I mean, anything we can do, you know, reaching out to rabbis, anything we can do, but it's always, you know, it's a very, in Israel, it's kind of easier to get the word out because it's like a, it's all contained, you know, in a small space. Here, the Jewish community is very broad, so we always need help in letting people know this is a resource if they need it or want it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Do you have like a capacity when someone's going to call, you're going to have to say, we're, we're, we just, we can't help you. So again, like the way I approach life is the solution comes from the commitment. So no, <laughs> you, you throw 10 and, and my staff is like this also. I mean, they work so hard. Um, you, you throw us, you know, we're going to, we're going to find a way to take care of you. And I will go to every Jew in this country and ask them for money because we need it. But it, I know that it will come because this is the most Jewish cause you could imagine bringing Jewish children in the world and helping empowering Jewish women. I, you know, the money will come. So I'm never afraid to take on the people because I know the money will follow. Okay. That's going to do it for us. Again, if you would like to get in touch with Shifra or have a question for the director, Erica Pellman or somebody else who's on staff, the way to do that is their website, jewishpregnancyhelp.org slash Shifra friend. Shifra is S-H-I-F-R-A, named after the midwife who defied Pharaoh's orders of killing all the babies of the book of the book of Exodus, which we just read this week. And we want to wish you continued success, Erica, and keep us surprised of any future developments. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a great Shabbat. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for us. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Schultzman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. Some some things are just inspired. That was, I am inspired. And uh, one of the ways to be inspired, of course, is to open up your checkbook. We don't have checkbooks anymore. Open up your Zell and uh, go to jewishpregnancyhelp.com, and uh, they, they obviously need a lot of funds, and it's all for a very, very good cause. And I can tell you a story involving my sister-in-law who passed away right after COVID. She passed away like last year. I think it may even be still in the year of Avelis, or maybe not. 
But during the Shiva, after the, the burial, dozens of people came to visit the family and said, we're only alive because of your, 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 uh, your wife, your mother's organization. It was because of her help that we're here. So it is an amazing, you're talking people is what we're talking about at the end of the day. We're going to switch the, uh, the whole tone and topic. Coming up now for your listening places, Uri Davidi. It's Sha'ani Chai. It's I'm Alive, which I suppose is appropriate. Bachayim Shelly, Malenisiono, Malenisiono, Lifamim Malgish, Sha'enli Koho, Sha'enli Koho. of quality and excellence in kosher look for the michigan k on the label what's it look like the lower peninsula of michigan with a k it's a symbol of the michigan kosher supervisors go to their website mycosup.com that's mi for michigan ko for kosher and sup for supervisors mycosup.com and find this month's featured products you'll find michigan k products wherever fine food is sold especially at natural food patch on west nine mile road in ferndale 
Hey, Schultzman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next for your listening pleasure, this is classic. I couldn't believe when I came across this one. This one was like buried deep, way down. I had to pull all the all the stuff out from around it and throw it off into the corners. And finally, I came up with this gem. This is unbelievable. This is Leonard Cohen of Blessed Memory singing "As the Rebbe Singt," which is a Jewish song that goes back, I don't know, 150 years ago. It means basically as when the rabbi sings, everybody sings. When the rabbi dances, everybody dances. When the rabbi laughs, everybody laughs, etc., etc., etc. Let's hear Leonard Cohen's version. Oh, no. 
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. It's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have time for one more. This is Yishai Rebo, who has become quite a bit of a sensation. We're actually going to play one of his songs next week. It came in, uh, this one This one I got last week, and another one came in this week. So he's becoming quite prolific. This is together with the Solomon Brothers, who have very nice voices. And the song is simply called Home. Wake me up, it's time to go Been down this road before and I know There's danger up ahead We calculate and turn around I'm heading home, I'm homeward bound No, I'm not gonna walk that path no more I know, I know it's not too late Know my past won't seal my fate You'll be there With arms wide open No matter what I've done wrong no matter how long I've been gone, you'll be there to let me back in. Filu she'asinu mashua, u'mochel v'solach, mochel v'solach. Moshit yadol ezah, v'noten berachamav, et ha'koach l'teken, v'nashuv elam. Oh, 
לעזוב הכל, להתגבר, לשוב הביתה. Find my way back home. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. The portion that will be read in the synagogue this upcoming week is the portion of Va'era, and in it we find seven of the ten plagues, and it's actually alluded to in the name and in next week's portion, which is Bo, because the word Va'era can be broken into Ray, look, Vav Aleph, which adds up to seven. Look, there are seven in this week's portion. And next week, the portion of Bo has a numerical value of three. There are three in next week. So that's kind of how you remember how it's broken down, that all the ten plagues are not given out all at once. And they weren't given all at once during the time in the desert, in the Egypt either, as it took uh, pretty close to a year for all the ten plagues, as each plague took a week, and then there was like a month in between. So figure that's five weeks per plague, and five times ten is fifty weeks, is a year. So there you go. What are we supposed to learn about the plagues? Other than the fact that, you know, we do this in Passover, Dom, Svardaya, Kinim, there's a little finger in the wine business going on over there. So what are we supposed to learn from the fact that there are plagues? That God just didn't say, okay, we're doing a Sodom and Gomorrah over here, and we're just going to schlep the people out, or we're never going to even do a Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what we're just going to do? We're going to turn on the vacuum, and go, and all the Jews are going to get sucked out of Egypt. They're going to cross the sea. They're going to go into the desert, and, you know, we'll get the Torah, and everything's going to be fine. Also, would have been a tremendous miracle. Could you imagine the story that suddenly everybody, they're sold to Eastland, you have to have a Passover lamb, and after you have to do your Seder, go outside, and you don't even have to go outside. Just open the door, or don't even open the door. Just suck the house. Well, just suck all the buildings, too, and everything's just going to come along. It's all going to be, it'll be a major miracle. I don't even think CCB could have... Uh, could have done some kind of enactment of it. It was really hard enough with just doing the water going backwards and, uh, <laughs> like he did in the, in the Ten Commandments way back when in 1956. It's all part of the plan that the Almighty promises, promised to Abraham and promises us as well. God promised Abraham that those who flick, those, he said, those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you, I will curse. Well, they'll be cursed. And the nations that will afflict you, I will afflict. Meaning to say that whatever goes around comes around. There's different ways for, listen, let's back up a half a second. The Jews are in exile. 
we are wandering Jews. They name plants after it. And the reason why Jews have to wander from one country to the next is not just because of anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism seems to be the impetus for Jews to want to pick themselves up from one place and move to the next because if things are really cool, like, you know, why should I leave America? I really like it over here. I, got every, I have everything I need over here. You know, I have a 1,800-square-foot uh, house with a garage, and we have Jewish Ferndale, with which is a three-quarters of an acre of land with a beautiful library and art studio. It's a wonderful place. Things are really good over here, so why should I move? And yeah, there's no impetus to move, thank God. And all I need is, is Mashiach to come in, and everything would be just perfect. So the... Um, the Almighty says that we need to have Jews in various different parts of the world because Jews are, quote-unquote, the chosen people. What are we chosen for? We're chosen to help show how to make the world a better place. And Jews have been moving around from place to place to place for the last 4,000 years to be the impetus for their hosts to make that part of the world a better place. If you want to put it into Kabbalistic terminology, every scattered throughout the world are sparks of godliness. And those sparks of godliness are elevated. They're purified from this schmutz, from all of the uh, quagmire from which they are stuck through proper utilization. When a person eats something, I'm eating this in order that I have the strength to go do something good. So that elevates that spark of that food. When a person's going to work in order to make money because they need to use that money to go do something good, then the whole entire work becomes elevated. When a person is wearing clothes, so the whole entire, you get the idea. Everything a person's doing, if they're doing it to somehow make the world better, so they're elevating those sparks of godliness. When the sparks of godliness are all elevated from a certain specific spot, so then people move. This is a person might think, why is it that a person decided they're, they're going to live in a house for so many and so many years, and then they're going to pick themselves up and move? And the answer is, is because everything that that person could have done in that spot, they did. I, somebody else, moved into, the, into the, that house. Okay, so there's other things that are left up for somebody else to do, and this person has to go to another spot in order to go purify that spot because it says in Pirkei Avos, you can't stop you can't not do it but it's not up to you to finish it it's totally up to God and when the whole world is finished Mashiach comes but we were told already in 1948 by the previous Rebbe the world's about as good as it can get all we need to do is just put the finishing touches on in 1988 the Lubavitcher Rebbe said we, we've polished the buttons, everything's done. All we need at this point is just people to want Mashiach, which might be a reason why we're where a person might be where we are, is we have to let people know that there is something called the Messianic era and we have to want it to happen. And so we're encouraging people. We want Mashiach now. That's the, that's the battle cry, you might say. We have to take a quick commercial break. And no, we're not taking a quick commercial break. We're going straight into the next segment. Yes, I need one more commercial, one more sponsor in order to fill in over here. If anybody would like to be a sponsor, contact me at rabbifinman.com and we can talk about sponsorships. Uh, very profitable for anybody who does guaranteed 
So um, if you would like to get in touch with me, we're already getting in the middle of January over here. We have to pay off. Um, I think we just paid December, and we're but it's almost the end of uh, January. So it comes in and drips and drabs, which is fine, just as long as it keeps on coming. So you know who you are. Go to RabbiFinman.com. At RabbiFinman.com, you find all the wonderful stuff that we hope to uh, entertain and educate you, and also the very important donations page. And donate and help keep Jewish radio and Jewish podcasts living on into perpetuity. We've been on for 28 years. It's going on now. Yes. March is our anniversary month. It's coming up in a month, and we'll just have to do some kind of drive for that. So uh, go to RabbiFinman.com. Don't delay. Jewish Ferndale, which is JewishFerndale.com, a sister organization, is having a mega raffle. First prize is $100,000. There's only 25,000 tickets sold maximum. We've never hit the maximum. And uh, tickets are $100 and two for 180 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can go see that at JewishFerndale.com and buy your ticket today to enter in and participate in Keeping Jewish Ferndale, a wonderful cultural organization serving Ferndale and the environs. So check that out, too. Story. Um, everybody know Moshe had a speech impediment. He t- in fact, he even said, I can't be the, the oracle of the Jewish people. I got a speech impediment. How he got the speech impediment, that's a whole other story. We're not going to go there right now. He said, I can't talk. It's an interesting thing. God said, I'm going to talk through you. And whenever Moses needed to teach, he had no speech impediment. It's an amazing thing. There's a similar story. Uh, the two stories come in one. One was a quicker story. We involved Reb Mordechai Mentlik, who was the head uh, rabbi of the Lubavitcher Yeshiva in New York for many decades. And he had a stutter. And when he taught, he didn't stutter. And in fact, the previous rabbi told them that he should just talk slower. And so he would talk very slowly and deliberately, but he did not stutter. And when he was teaching, he would get excited and he would talk fast and still didn't stutter. It's another story involving somebody by the name of Eliyahu Shmuel Dan, who was French. He was born in Israel, and the, uh, the, his father was a survivor of the 1929 massacre of Hebron, and his family, when he was young, moved to France, so he was basically ba- raised in France. And he had a stutter, quite a distinctive stutter. But when he sang, he didn't stutter. So as a young kid, six, seven years old, he started learning like voice and he started learning liturgical melodies, and he became a cantor. But whenever he would talk, it was like impossible. He couldn't talk. He could sing, but he couldn't talk. So it once happened that uh, he became friends with a very per- with a, a person by the name of Yitzhak Baton, who was a very influential rabbi in in uh, in France. And he said, we need to go to see the Rebbe. And so in 1989, they picked themselves up. They went to New York. They participated in for, in, for Shabbos and for Brengen. Sunday, they went for dollars. 
And this Yitzchak Baton came to the Rebbe for dollars and a blessing and said, Rebbe, please, I want to get rid of my stutter. So the Rebbe said, we should hear good news. You should get rid of your stutter through song. He never wrote anything to the Rebbe. He never spoke to the Rebbe before. He didn't tell anybody. No one told him, the Rebbe, that he was was involved with Chazanot. But from that day on, he started singing, and then he stopped stuttering. And it's basically because that's what we got to serve Hashem with. Okay, that's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. If you want to get in touch with the people at Shifra, do that at, at uh, jewishpregnancyhelp.org. It's a wonderful organization. I recommend it myself. Until next week, take care. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.